It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings, a far less tired episode of Locked On Vikings than yesterday's episode, which was recorded at roughly 1.30 a.m. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show's on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. This show is always on all of your favorite podcast apps like Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever you like. And if you don't like any of those services, you can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. And today... I went to camp again. I had my second day of uh, actually attending training camp and sitting in the bleachers in the sun and watching these guys play with my own two eyeballs, and I have a whole bunch of takeaways. Uh, Unfortunately, this is all of the in-person camp coverage that I'm going to have this year. Hopefully next year I'll be able to work it out so I can get my eyes on the team a lot more. I I really just love watching them live, watching them practice, watching what, you know, the coaches deem important and and who they see as the guys that need the most work and, and who they decide to give the reps to and stuff. I'm fascinated with all of it, and I love watching the play-by-play, but unfortunately, I did not get enough. But from what I did get, I have some takeaways, because I think I might have watched the best offensive practice that I've seen, both in this year and in my time there last year, which was only eight of those practices, but boy, were they just on fire. Uh, I, I was treated today to or Wednesday to uh, a lot of uh, 11 on 11 reps they spent a lot of time going with like live reps they did a ton of red zone work which they hadn't done up to this point they'd kind of only really done one play or so and today seemed like the day where they catch up and they get all the red zone reps that they've you know they've been focusing on other things and other practices and the offense just dominated it was awesome to watch and you know I mean the defense made enough plays where we can you know say that the offense did well without immediately going oh but who got beaten who is bad now no the defense defense is like fine it's not nothing to worry about there it's just that the offense finally looked like a competent unit they did the right things and again that didn't always lead to success there were plays where you know the cornerback broke it up and you know good play on on that but it was you know in, in previous years in training camp both in like watching the reports about training camp and in last year you know going and seeing it myself and even yesterday going and seeing it or on Monday going and seeing it myself you could kind of tell that, like, oh my goodness. I mean, you'd always hear, like, the defense is ahead of the offense. It almost became a trope. That's not the case this year. The offense is right up there, and, and they look a lot more ready. They look a lot more polished. I mean, and, you know, part of that is because it's the second year for Kirk Cousins. Kevin Stefanski has a familiarity with all of them, so it's not like you're, you know, bringing in a total stranger to be the OC, and you have to you know, install a whole bunch of new things. A lot of the plays that Kevin Stefanski has are from regimes that guys like Diggs and Thielen and Rudolph all played under, and so they're plays that they remember, and it's easier to install that way. And, you know, Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill and Pat Elfline, they've all been here. Klein and Bradbury are new, but and, and there are a couple new faces, you know, spotting ar- around the roster, but there is some semblance of continuity, which is both a good thing for this reason and a bad thing because it was a bad offense, and c- continuity on a bad offense, you know, is it's like, wait, wait, are we keeping all the bad players? But I don't think that that's the case. I think it's just, you know, we're, we're seeing improvement and we're seeing not always uh, wins from the offense, you know, especially on, on certain areas like wide receiver. And, you know, sometimes the say Harrison Smith will beat Kyle Rudolph in coverage and 
and you know those one-on-one matchups are, are competitions and they're battles and you know sometimes Griffin beats Reef and sometimes Reef beats Griffin and but but what I see is you know not a lot of people going the wrong way I don't see a lot of miscommunications I see a unit that is cohesive and can you know run the play properly at which point it come it becomes a matter of talent and when it becomes a matter of talent I'm giving the advantage to, you know, the Vikings with a talented arm at, at quarterback, you know, despite all the problems I have with him, his arm is incredible. His arm was on fire today. I mean, he was really, really feeling it today. I, I think I saw one miss in a, a red zone one-on-one drill. He was just throwing a fade, you know, and he sailed it. And the second he let it go, Kirk Cousins let it go, I heard him from the top of the bleachers, like, yell out in frustration, just like he just knew he missed that one. And he took back the next rep and, and laid a beautiful one in the bucket, and I don't think he missed another one all day. So he, he was, like, truly on fire. But then even the talent of, you know, these, like, athletic linemen, you know, they've got a lot of, like, movable, mobile offensive linemen. And when it becomes about, you know, who can get to the spot faster, that is advantage Vikings, even though the offensive line is still definitely a question mark. They had a great day today, by the way. I'll talk about it more in a second. And, you know, when it comes down to talent and and the play is relying on, is Stefan Diggs talented enough? Is Adam Thielen talented enough? That's going to be something, that's going to be a question that lands in the Vikings' favor more often than not. So seeing that cohesion this early on in camp is giving me a lot of reason to have optimism. And a lot of the issues with the 2018 offense, especially early in the season, were issues of communication and mental errors and confusion and just not really understanding how to run the John Filippo scheme. You know, I think that John Filippo, for as many good ideas as he had, and, and I sung those praises quite a bit at the time, and I still stand by what I said there. I think he does have really good principles and ideas, and I like his play designs generally. He had a huge problem with installation, and it seems like installation has gone very smoothly thus far, and that means that's just one 2018 problem that isn't going to carry over to the next season. Thumbs up, let's go. But I also wanted to spend time talking about the offensive line because they had a wonderful day. I mean, there were times when, you know, you'd see these red zone reps and they, they spent a lot of time going, you know, for, they'd start at the 20 and they'd kind of do like a situational drill where they'd say, okay, you know, you're at the 20, first down and 10, go try to find a way to get a touchdown. And sometimes that drill would end in one play because they, he'd just go take a shot immediately and it'd be a touchdown, uh, you know, to a beautiful shot to like Tyler Conklin, who had an unbelievable day. I actually think Tyler Conklin may have had the best day on the whole team. And I w- I'm going to talk a little bit later about like some adjustments to the uh, predictions that I had that I, I'm going to, you know, put into the next round of roster roster predictions when that comes around. But suffice it to to say for now that, you know, Tyler Conklin had an unbelievable day. He was adjusting to catch difficultly placed balls against tight coverage, and and he, he really showed out as a guy that can maybe have some potential as a contributor on the offense, and that suddenly makes that tight end room really, really interesting. There is so much more that I want to update you on, and I kind of just want to wrap up what I saw and just go like position by position and, and talk about like any opinions that have changed or any like you know updates that I, I want to make to kind of what I thought I would see from players. A lot of the things that I've talked about up to this point about players has been speculation because they're guys that I haven't really seen play. Now that I've seen a little bit of work from them in an NFL context, I can kind of start to update those those opinions and start to get a little bit more sophisticated about it. So I, I'm I'm going to just going to go now position by position and just kind of talk about really where I think we're at right now. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network in this crazy, unprecedented and unnerving 
time. I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. So starting off with the quarterbacks, I already talked a little bit about Kirk Cousins, but he's having a a nice camp for himself. He misses a couple times here or there, but who doesn't? And he's largely consistent. You can see that accuracy and you can see everything. I've actually seen him work the pocket a little bit more uh, and and I've enjoyed that. I still see him checking down more often than I'd like. I've seen a lot of the quarterbacks check down, even in like offense only drills, which I dislike that decision making, although I do think that sometimes it's the coaches making them go through their whole progression. So don't react to it too much. You know, it's, it's, not saying like their decision is to check down it's you know the coach saying okay first read it's not there what's your second read it's not there what's your third and kind of drill making it more of a mental rep for them and then they just you know flip off the check down because whatever but I still kind of want to see them you know heave off that deep ball and practice that a little more these reps are pretty precious um, but that, that's a nitpick and it's not a huge deal at all in my opinion. Kirk Cousins has been nice the, the backup competition I'm really worried about uh, Sean Mannion has been okay uh, but he's had plenty of his own inaccuracies. You can see that arm strength issue that that I highlighted when we first signed him. Uh, you know, you you can see a lot of those issues really come to light. I think Kyle Sloter has been kind of a mess. Uh, I actually am probably going to kind of update where I see him in uh, in in the roster prediction when that comes. I mean, I got a couple of preseason games to go, so clearly long way to go, but as things stand right now, uh, especially as he was throwing fades, uh, it, was, it wasn't it was a quarterback drill. It was a one-on-one drill between wide receivers and, and cornerbacks, but the fades that he threw were by far the worst of the whole group. And that kind of takes me to Jake Browning, who's been a little bit of a surprise. He's, he's been very accurate at the intermediate level, which was always his thing. He's always a good intermediate passer, and he's a fine short passer. Those are the easy ones. He has no deep ball to speak of at all, and maybe that just makes him unrosterable. Uh, and, and he'll never overcome that, right? Like, that's maybe just going to be who he is. But in terms of, like, consistency throughout the throws that he's been asked to make in, you know, the camp reps that he's gotten, which, by the way, he's gotten way more camp reps than Peter Pujols ever got. Peter Pujols would not really participate in the 11-on-11s that often. Uh, and, and, you know, he would kind of never really get the reps. He didn't really get the preseason reps either. And I think Jake Browning is getting a, a little bit different treatment and he's made good on them and he's made accurate throws. One thing that I noticed over the two days that I, that I watched was that the, the quarterbacks are not throwing a lot of dangerous passes and that's not that they're throwing conservative passes. It's that they are placing them in safe spots. And therefore they're, that just means that they've been really, they've been taking care of the ball is probably the more cliche way that I should say that. They, and they've done a good job of taking care of the ball, especially Kirk Cousins. I actually don't know if he's been picked yet in camp, which I think I talked about 
going into camp, you kind of want your quarterback to like take stupid risks when it's, you know, meaningless and it's practice reps. Aaron Rodgers is notorious for this. He'll always, you know, push the envelope and, and you know, there'll be a headline where he's thrown six interceptions today, but it's because he's practicing, you know, those higher octane throws, those more difficult throws. So there's going to be more interceptions because, you know, hey, they don't matter right now. Let's let it rip. But it's hard to complain too much about a guy that just is placing the ball in a spot, you know, very seldom does the cornerback ever have a shot at it. And when the cornerback does, it's usually Rhodes or Waynes and, you know, they're going to knock it down because it's, you know, like a contested ball or something like that. Or the, the other incompletions are just like balls to the sideline that are too far out. Nobody can get them. So overall, the quarterbacks have done a nice job of, you know, protecting the football. And what I'm going to do right now, I'm actually going to post as a part of this show uh, an updated roster tier. And I had Jake Browning in the long shot tier, but I think he's played well enough to firmly enter the battle. I don't know if he'll ever be able to win that battle because of his deep ball issue, but I think he's a part of it. And I, and I think that that is now a three-way battle for that backup quarterback spot. And maybe it always was, and we just didn't know that about Jake Browning until we got to see it live. So moving on to the running backs, uh, you know, you have your Dalvin Cook and Alex Madison. Alex Madison has had a wonderful camp so far, I've heard, and I've seen. I mean, he really looks like the guy that you spent a third rounder on. Um, I still have, you know, my own problems with that value-wise, but that's not what this is about. Uh, you know, Alex Madison, he he cuts with authority. He has great vision. He's a smart runner. He's definitely a smart runner. Um, and they've done some weird things with him, too. I saw a really interesting play design where they split Alex Madison out wide. This was with the twos. So they would do this with Dalvin Cook, too. Uh, they split Alex Madison out wide, and they had uh, two tight ends in line on that same side of the formation. And the two tight ends ran a divide. Which, if you think about like a cover two, so there's two deep safeties, a divide is essentially two vertical routes that both go at that safety, and you have to make the safety choose one or the other. Now, it completely loses to cover four, but because cover four has fewer, you know, that, that has the two deep defenders that you would need to defend such a pattern. Um, but again, you know, you've got a cornerback and a safety running against the two tight ends. So you've already kind of made them use some of their best pass defenders on the tight ends. And you've got two wide receivers, you know, Diggs and Thielen on the other side of that formation, wreaking whatever kind of havoc. And then you had the running back. In this case, it was Madison who split out wide, probably getting a linebacker if it's man coverage or if it's zone coverage, they reveal that. And if it's zone coverage and it's cover four, you're not going to have a lot of guys underneath. And Alexander Madison essentially runs a crosser from wide. And that's a great check down op option against cover four, because there's just not going to be a lot of players and he can go, you know, get some yards after the catch. I really loved that play design. Um, but in terms of Madison's performance in, in and of itself, he's been really, really solid. And, and he, you know, he's, he's had a, a really nice camp so far. I think you'll be plenty pleased if you expect Alex Madison to step in right away and replace uh, you know, Latavius Murray smoothly, I would say that we are well on track for that to happen. And beyond that, I think Amir Abdullah has had a nicer camp than I expected. And and Mike Boone is, I think, uh, I, I still think, like, I'm still picking Mike Boone. I'm not going to change that opinion right now. But it's certainly a lot closer than I thought. I think both of them are having a nice camp as well. I've, I've actually really liked what I've seen from all of the running backs. Even D'Angelo Henderson has had a decent time. And unfortunately, I haven't paid too much attention to C.J. Ham versus Kari Blasingham, the fullback battle. 
Um, I've been, you know, kind of watching other things. He'll have to turn elsewhere for that analysis, but we'll, you know, maybe try to keep an eye on it during the first preseason game against the Saints that's coming up here. So I want to move on to the wide receivers, and what I'm going to start with is that they, uh, I uh, this, I'm so concerned. I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but it's so bad, guys. I mean, Diggs and Thielen are Diggs and Thielen, and they, they love to put on a show in training camp. Set those guys aside. They'll be fine so long as they stay healthy, but after that, it's real. I really do firmly believe that if you just took a random guy off of the Vikings uh, wide receiver core after Diggs and Thielen and placed them on any of the other 31 teams, they probably don't make that team. I really think we have a lot of practice squad scout team level scrubs out there. But instead of just levying criticism and complaining, I kind of want to. I'll go, you know, guy by guy, and we'll we'll talk about all these dudes. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk about our sponsor for the podcast, BlueChew.com. Guys, it's time you take your performance in the bedroom seriously, and Blue Chew is exactly the product you need to help you out with that. Blue Chew, if you haven't been listening to this show, Blue Chew is a chewable tablet that has all the same active ingredients as like Viagra and Cialis, so you know exactly what you're getting and how it works, but as it is a chewable, it works twice as fast, which means that when the moment is right, you don't have to sit around waiting for a pill to kick in. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and you can order them online, cut out the the pharmacy, and that means it's maybe a little bit cheaper. And they deliver directly to your door in a discreet box, so there's no awkwardness or embarrassment. You just get what you need, no questions asked, no frills. Now, Blue Chew is not just for men of a certain age that, you know, maybe they can't perform the way that they used to. It is absolutely great for those types of people, but if you're younger and you talk a good game and you want to back it up, use Blue Chew and it'll still give you that that extra kick for the performance that you need. So go check it out, bluechew.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W, blue like the color blue, chew.com. Go check it out. Do yourself a favor. You deserve it. And if we're being honest, so does your partner. So moving on to the wide receivers that I'm really worried about. You know, the the guys that are getting the the wide receiver three consideration right now are Chad Beebe and Jordan Taylor. Those are kind of the two guys that are getting the reps. Brandon Zilstra gets a little bit, but he's still kind of limited coming off of that injury. So it, it was hard for me to tell like where they actually intend to put him. Uh, But, you know, Jordan Taylor, he doesn't separate at the top of his route at all. I mean, he's really, he is Laquan Treadwell. If you you think about Laquan Treadwell as a receiver, he is like, okay, off the release. He's great at contested catches and he could win, you know, he's better than Treadwell at contested catches. Um, and, and he just can't get any separation. He can't win at the top of his route stem and, you know, break off a route and, and fool a cornerback and get separation. Cornerbacks can mirror him so easily. Even the second team cornerbacks, you know, Duke Thomas and like Colton Hill and stuff. I mean, they can get rid of him. So I'd be very worried if he were on the field very often. Uh, there's also Chad Beebe, who's had a really like up and down time. He has had a much easier time getting separation, especially out of the slot. But, I mean, he still I, he, he can't win against the big corners. I mean, Mackenzie Alexander shuts him down every time. I, I don't think I've seen him get any reps against, like, Rhodes or Waynes because that doesn't make sense. He's like a slot guy. But, but I mean, the, he, he's had a lot more success when he's gotten his second team reps. And when they ask him to play for the first team, he looks like he doesn't belong. Not to mention, you know, some difficulty with contested catches and some straight-up drops. You know, moving down the depth chart, I guess Laquan Treadwell is next on the depth chart, but, like, oh my god, how pathetic is that? Because he does not look like an NFL wide receiver at all. I don't think if you put Laquan Treadwell on, you know, if you if you had a Laquan Treadwell on all 32 teams, I bet he makes maybe five of them. 
and I'm holding fast to my prediction that he doesn't make the team. Here's what I noticed. I mean, he doesn't have body control at the sideline. They were drilling that on Wednesday, and he he and BC Johnson looked like the two worst on the, on the whole squad at that particular drill. He, like Jordan Taylor, struggles so much with separation, and he's been getting second team reps, and he's been struggling with that. It's really, really bleak for Laquan Treadwell, and I think his time in Minnesota is truly dwindling. Like I said, I'm not really going to talk about uh, Brandon Zilstra yet. I hope he can step up, but he's still very limited coming off of his injury. It seems like they're easing him in. And then you have the rookies. I, I like the way that Dylan Mitchell and BC Johnson runs run routes. BC actually had a pretty good day on, on Wednesday, but I still see those issues. You know, again, he struggled with that body control, you know, that sideline, that toe tap. He struggles with some of the more refined things you have to do as a wide receiver. I think maybe there's potential there, and that's why in my roster prediction I have him on the practice one. If he doesn't make the Team. I think he's definitely a practice squad guy, and maybe someday he comes in and he can be a contributor, but I just don't think he's ready to play yet. And, and Dylan Mitchell is still a rookie, too. I think he might be, you know, a, a, a one of the guys most likely to make the roster right now, just in the way that he runs routes and in the way that he contributes, and, and you know, he's been able to at least get separation against these second-team corners, which is more than mo- these other guys can say. But he's still had his own issues with drops, he's had his own issues with contested catches, and he hasn't won often enough to, you know, make that kind of thing worth it if you were going to try to give him significant playing time. And then after that, you have Alexander Hollins and Davion Davis, who have both just been god-awful. I mean, they've been absolutely crushed by third-team corners, and Jeff Baddett, who only played for one day, thought he looked okay today, but it's only been one day he's still coming off of an injury, so it's also hard to evaluate him. I mean, just looking, like, up and down this particular roster group, there's just a lot of bad. Uh, Diggs and Thielen are great up top, but I, I... really think that that's part of why we've seen the team do so much 12 personnel, which is a great segue into the tight ends, which is a much more optimistic group. Kyle Rudolph looks like Kyle Rudolph. That's great. We still haven't seen David Morgan, but we've seen Irv Smith. I talked a lot about him in previous shows and what they've been doing with him, but just as a straight up tight end, he looks nice as well. And Tyler Conklin is somebody that I really think I'm going to change to him making the team. I I think we're going to see four tight ends and five wide receivers. I, I feel pretty good about that. I'm not going to put out any official material on that until the second preseason game is over. That's when I was planning to do it, but I'm probably going to do that when that time comes. And uh, Cole Hikutini has actually had himself a couple of days too, and he's entering that battle in a better way. So I'm actually going to move him into the roster bubble tier if I I don't think I already had him there. I'm going to move him into the roster bubble tier with Tyler Conklin, and I think that's now like a battle that is interesting, whereas I kind of thought that Tyler Conklin would like have that fourth tight end spot if there was going to be one. Now it's a competition, and Brandon Dillon I think is still a long shot, but he hasn't looked horrible, and and I, I like his odds for the practice squad right now. I talked a lot about the offensive line yesterday, so I'll, I'll spare you that. But, you know, real quick, Riley Reef has looked up and down, but against Griffin, that's okay. Uh, Pat Elfline has looked a lot better in the run than against the pass, and he, he looks not good, but less than horrible. Like, I don't think that he's going to be the reason you lose a game. Maybe he's the reason a drive fails, but he won't be the reason, he, like, he won't cost you a whole game or anything like some of the guards did last year. I think Garrett Bradbury looks a lot more polished than you'd expect a rookie to, but he still will probably have some of those rookie growing pains. Josh Klein has been kicking all kinds of butt. He's actually probably the best lineman out there right now. And uh, Brian O'Neill has held his own against Daniil Hunter about as well as you can ever expect someone to hold their own against Daniil Hunter. Uh, on the second team, I think Aviant Collins has stood out above Rashad Hill. Rashad Hill's been up and down, but he's been fine. Isadora has had a really nice camp. Uh, Brett Jones has had a really nice camp, and I actually like the way Dakota Dozier has played. 
I, I think I have Dakota Dozier making the team, and I feel a lot more confident in that after watching him play. And then elsewhere, I think Oli Udo has flashed, but is clearly not ready to play, and I don't even think he's ready to make a roster. We'll, we'll see in the preseason game, but I think you might see some embarrassing plays from him. He just doesn't have the footwork. He doesn't have the technique. He has all the athleticism, athleticism in the world, and that works against some of the, you know, the, the bottom-feeding uh, edge rushers on, on the unit. But of course, that's not going to translate into any like real NFL action, even in a preseason game. And uh, Drew Samia had also just doesn't look ready to play. Neither of those guys look ready to play. But I think, you know, stash them on the practice squad or on the roster if you feel like you have to. Uh, but otherwise, you know, those guys aren't really going to push the roster at any point. I think any of the dreams of, ooh, is Drew Samia going to actually start over Josh Klein? Ah, no way. Josh Klein's twice the lineman that Drew Samia is right now. But I anticipate that that will change very quickly at some point. Probably closer to next year, though. And then elsewhere, you know, you have guys like, you know, Tiano Papungatoa and John Kinoy and stuff that I haven't paid too much attention to, but the offensive line in both the days I've been there, you know, on, on all three teams has been solid. So it's likely better than, than not. Moving on to the defense, Stephen Weatherly did leave practice on Wednesday. Uh, I should have probably opened with that. Stephen Weatherly left practice. I don't know what the deal is. I think I heard it was a knee. Stacey Keeley came in for the twos, and he actually had some production and and maybe moved his way up the roster a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not going to make any official declarations about that, though. I mean, Daniel Hunter and Griffin are still Daniel Hunter and Griffin. Weatherly was looking all right until he left. But that edge rushing battle is kind of thinning out, right? Tayshawn Bauer is out. Now Weatherly might miss some time. So, you know, if you're somebody like, I mean, Stacey Keeley, who's suddenly getting reps with the twos... But even somebody like Ade Aruna, who's looked a lot better than I anticipated him to look, I might actually have to reconsider my roster prediction with him, or Afadi Odenabo, who's also looked well. Like the, Things are going well for them. They're getting more of these reps as guys are, are hurt and missing time. I talked a ton about the defensive tackle battle, so I won't talk too much about that. Uh, Jalen Holmes did get first-team reps again. We'll see, kind of monitor how that goes. That's now a battle, really, for that three-tech spot while Shamar Stefan is out between Hercules, Mata'afa, and Jalen Holmes. Uh, but, you know, moving on to the linebackers, uh, I haven't paid too much attention to them, but I think Eric Wilson looks just as good as we always are used to Eric Wilson looking, and Ben Gedeon has struggled a bit. He definitely got embarrassed by Tyler Conklin in coverage today, or yesterday, on a, yesterday as you're listening to this, on a, a red zone drill. And I actually really think that Richard Cliette has shown something as, as a blitzing pass rusher type. He's put on a ton of weight, and I think he actually has a low-end shot to make, make uh, the roster add as that last like maybe special teams guy or maybe he'll just get on the practice squad again which would totally be a win I haven't seen much from the kind of incumbents I saw one play from Cameron Smith although I haven't paid too much attention and I've seen absolutely nothing from Kentrell Brothers so having him be cut is something that I feel a lot better about I think his time here might be coming to a close and, you know, onto the defensive backs, the corners and safeties. Uh, you know, we've seen what we would expect to see from Waynes and Rhodes. They've both been very sharp. Mackenzie Alexander's been on fire. Uh, I thought that Duke Thomas has exceeded my expectations for him, although my expectations for him were pretty low. But what I've seen from Marcus Epps and Darren Smith and, of course, Harris, uh, Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, you know, that safety group is just as deep as I thought it was. I think you're maybe cutting a good player from that, that safety group. J. Ron Curse is very solidified on this roster. 
Uh, and uh, elsewhere in the corner room, I mean, Holton Hill's going through his whole situation. He's playing with the threes now, and he looks like he's just playing with kids out there. You know, when he's going up against, like, Davion Davis and Alexander Hollins and even, like, Laquan Treadwell. I mean, he's just, like, destroying these poor kids and making them look just absolutely embarrassed. So if he ever does get back up with the twos and out of the doghouse, he'll definitely look more at home there. But I still think that he's somebody that could play at a starting quality level as a backup. So hopefully we can get him you know, keep him out of trouble and get him back by week nine. And in the kicking world, Dan Bailey on Wednesday, he went five of six. He made one from 52, made one from 48, missed one from 41, and then he made a few of the shorter ones, a couple from 33 and I think a 39. So uh, a decent day for Dan Bailey. I'll take that really. Um, and I think that once you get the holding kind of sorted out, I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned about Dan Bailey at all right now. He had that bad, that rough day to start off. Uh, but I think he's kind of pulled it together and, you know, get the pressure on him. And, and he, he kicked on like three different occasions, and that's really, really nice. One came in a situational red zone drill where I think he was kicking the, the point after the touchdown that was scored. I think that's how that worked. Uh, but in any case, it's, you know, he's, he's kicked just fine. And I we, he actually kicked closer to the crowd on Wednesday uh, when he was doing all of his practice kicks, and it looked like he was pretty consistent there as well. So I'm not too concerned at this moment. I will regain my concern if he has a bad preseason game or something, but we'll table that for now. So that is a, a quick update on everything. I mean, I'm not changing a ton of things, right? I only saw two days of camp, but there's a couple things where I was like, oh, wow, Tyler Conklin's pretty good. And, you know, uh, uh, at defensive tackle, like, oh, wow, Tito Odenabo is like really bad. I think there's actually like three or four players that you could just cut outright right now and and probably not miss. I think that like Tito Odenabo, Nate Medors has been absolutely dreadful. Uh, Alexander Hollins has been dreadful. I think like you could just like cut a couple of those players and really not miss anything. So that is going to do it for this episode of Locked on Vikings. Thank you guys so much for hanging out this week. We'll continue next week with our training camp coverage. I will see you next Monday. In the meantime, you can always find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite shows. And if you don't like any of those things or if you if you don't like scrolling through your phone or if you listen in your car, you can always just ask your smart device like Siri or Alexa to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all next week. And as always, Skull. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.